Hi, my name is Rhonda Minga, and I would like to welcome you today to Freedom Ministries in Crossed, Arkansas. I invite you to connect with us online at freedomministriescrossed.com. Now let's take the time to pray before we tune in to today's message. Lord, I lift you up, and I just pray that you draw us by your Spirit. I pray that you show us your Word. You give us great and mighty revelations of who you are and how you want to move in and through us. Lord, be with these people as they tune in now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, the title of my word this morning is Fire of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah, the fire of God. There's a song that we've sung, probably been years ago. It says, fire come down, fire consume me, burn in my soul, flames come out of my mouth. <laughs> I think if you're consumed... If flames are coming out of your mouth, I believe you're consumed with the fire of God. <clears throat> Genesis 2, verse 7, says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That word, breathed, I taught it last time I taught, but it's good, so we're going to hear it again. The word breathe means to kindle, to set on fire. God set man on fire <laughs> when he breathed into him. God set man, God intended for man to be on fire. When it talks about the breath of God breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life, it's talking about divine inspiration. God set man on fire at the very beginning with divine inspiration. God set us on fire from the very beginning. God stirred up an appetite for him. An appetite. I thought that was an interesting word. He stirred up an appetite for him. See, an appetite and a hunger is two different things. When I'm hungry, my belly growls. And I'm not real concerned with what I put in there. I mean, I want it to be good, but I want something in there. That's, that's a hunger. An appetite is something that I desire. I... Everybody, most everybody in here knows I like some fried fish. 
and chocolate. <laughs> I, I can, we can go to a brand new restaurant that's got a menu full of all kinds of awesome stuff. And I'm scanning the menu and I run across fried fish. I'm serious. The rest of the menu must not, may as well not exist. I'll stop right there because I have an appetite <laughs> for it. I can see it. Somebody can post a picture of a, a plate of fried fish on Facebook. I'm not hungry, but yet there's something that begins to stir. And within a few days, I'm going to have some fish. It's not that I'm hungry, because I'm eating the whole time in between. But I have an appetite. I have a desire for that. So that's where, so I'm headed there. I'm going after it. I'm pursuing it until I acquire fish. That's an appetite. Hmm. Proverbs 18, 21. You wonder what in the world does that have to do with the word? I'll show you something. Proverbs 18. Just like my appetite for fish, sooner or later I'm going to partake of it. I'm going to pursue it till I get a hold of it. The same thing is true in the spirit. If we have an appetite for God, we're going to go after him. We're going to pursue him. We're going to chase after him. We're going to study his word. We're going to pray. We're going to get in his presence because we have an appetite for God. So when God first breathed the first breath into man, he stirred up an appetite for him. Think about that. When God breathed into man, he stirred up a fire, an appetite for God. You know, that's why it doesn't matter where you go to the farthest corners of the world the remote places of the world, if you run upon a group of people, they worship something. Even the people that proclaim to be atheists worship something. They worship themselves. They worship their knowledge. It's in us. It was put in us from the very beginning, an appetite for God. Exodus 3. You know, you, you hear people say, I don't believe in God. I don't believe. I don't believe. Uh, they believe themselves to be God. I mean, how else could you exist? There had to be a creator. 
Exodus 3, starting in verse 2. It says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him, this is Moses, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. The fire that was burning the bush was not, that bush was not set on fire by lightning. That's a natural fire. This was a supernatural fire. Because the bush was not consumed. A natural fire would have burned it up. Supernatural fire burned but didn't destroy it. The fire captured Moses' attention. It captured his attention. Because he actually said, and Moses said, I will turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. Now, if it had just been a bush on fire, Moses would have went on about his business. But this was no ordinary fire. It was a fire of God. And then in verse 4, this is interesting. It says, and when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him. Moses had to stop. What he was doing, he had to lay his plans down and stop and see what was taking place. We can get too busy with our stuff, with our agenda, that when God shows up, we're not willing to lay it down to see what he wants to do. But when Moses stopped and turned, then it says God spoke. Moses was, had taken notice that the supernatural had manifested. And he stopped and turned. And when he did, God spoke to him. And then Moses' response was, Here am I. Here am I. Is that our, is that our response when God speaks? Here am I. Oh, I, <clears throat> it's easy to say, oh, yes, Lord, that's my response. Here am I. I remember in prayer years ago, Apostle Angie, and even back with Apostle Aline, would be up here praying. There'd be a group of us. Apostle Angie would have the mic. 
and we'd all be praying, and she'd be praying. We're, we're in the group, but yet we're praying also under our breath. Lord, don't give me the mic. Uh-huh. Truth. Lord, I hope she don't. She start our way. We do, then we back up. <coughs> instead, of, instead of here I am, it's like don't see me. Been there. Been there. Lots of times. But you know what? God knows where you are. It don't matter if, if she's going this way and you and if she was praying with the mic and she was going this way so you kind of work your way over here behind a few people. When God spoke to her, guess what? She found you. So it's like, might as well say when God comes in, here I am, God. Might as well just say, here I am, because he knows where you are. <laughs> he knows your address. Hallelujah. That's the truth, people. When we tell y'all that we're no different, that we've been through some stuff, and we know where you're coming from, we're not joking. <coughs> Hallelujah. Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. I'll be there in just a second. Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 9. says, then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. Jeremiah said, God's word, you know, we see this posted on plaques. God's word is shut up in my bones, like a fire shut up in my bones. You know what? Jeremiah went through hell to say that, literally. Because if you come back over to verse, to chapter 20, no, chapter 19, Jeremiah prophesied the destruction of Israel before he made that statement. He prophesied the destruction of Israel. Then in verse, then in chapter 20, it says, in verse 1, it says, Now Pashur, the son of Emir, the priest who was a, also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard, see, he was a governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. It says, then Pashur smote Jeremiah, the prophet, and put him in stocks that were in the high gate of Benjamin, which was by the house of the Lord. 
Jeremiah prophesied something this man didn't like, and he put him in stocks at the gate so that everybody coming by could see him. We're going to make an example of you. You're going to prophesy something that I don't like. I'm fixing to put you on display. And that's what he did. He put him on display for everybody to see. It's like, now, all you other so-called prophets, let's see if you're going to dare to stand up and say something I don't like. But what happened to Jeremiah? The next morning, he come along, had Jeremiah taken out of the stocks, and what does Jeremiah do? Jeremiah prophesies against his house. He sure did. He prophesied against Israel. Then the man had him locked up. And when he turned him loose, he prophesied against him and his whole household. <laughs> Tell me the fire of God's not shut up in his bones. That's why in verse 9 it says, it says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. He says, I'm not going to prophesy, basically, in the name of Jehovah God Almighty. I'm not going to mention his name anymore. And then on down, but then, but then the next thing says, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. It don't matter what my flesh wants to do. His flesh didn't want to prophesy anymore for God. I mean... You prophesy for God and somebody come by and lock you up in stocks where everybody come by and laugh at you and make fun of you. But it doesn't matter. The fire of God was shut up in Jeremiah's bones. And he couldn't help it. I mean, I think that's pretty amazing. A man lock you up for prophesying something he don't like. He turned you loose, and then you prophesy against him. It's like, I'll, you, yeah, you lock me up. I'll, mm -hmm. Come on with it. See, the fire of God burned in Jeremiah regardless of the situation. It didn't matter what he was going through. The fire of God was in him. And he couldn't, he couldn't shut it up. Let's go to Psalms 97, verse 3. It says, a fire goes before him, goes before God, and burns up his enemies round about. A fire goes before God and burns up his enemies. So if we want the enemies of God to be burned up, we got to walk in the fire. We got to walk in the fire. We want the enemies of God burned up, we got to walk in the fire. Sometimes, you know, we pray, consume my enemies, God, versus God, consume your enemies. Consume my enemies is a focus on me. Consume God's enemies is a focus on Jesus. And God's enemies, 
What is God's enemies? God's enemies is whatever keeps us from advancing his kingdom. See, because it's all about Jesus. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29. Chapter 12, verse 29. says, For our God is a consuming fire. You see, we pray... God, let your fire go forth, go out, and burn up your enemies. That's good. Lord, let your fire go forth and burn up your enemies. But before we can pray effectively like that, the fire of God has to burn within me. It has to burn in me. It has to burn in me. Romans 8, 6 and 7. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and 7. says, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But the carnal mind is enemy against God, for it is not subject to the, to the law of God, neither indeed can be. See, the fire of God has to go in and burn up all of our preconceived ideas. You got a preconceived idea of how God's going to do something for you? You better run it through the fire and see what comes out. Because most time, if I've got a preconceived idea and I run it through the fire of God, I end up with ashes. Which is a good thing. Because if it's, <laughs> because the only thing that's going to stand is the word. Is the word. So the fire of God burns up preconceived ideas. The fire of God will burn up doctrines. The fire of God will burn up emotions. That's a major one right there. We can let our emotions get in the way and think it's God. But we have to let the fire of God burn them up. God has emotions. I mean, if he didn't have emotions, they wouldn't exist. Everything, everything come from God. But we can get into our own emotions. So we've got to let the fire of God try our emotions. We've got to let the fire of God burn up our will. Our will. Sometimes we call our will God's will. But it's not God's will. It's still our will. So when we don't obey God, 
our will overrides God's will. God does not force himself upon us. The fire of God comes in to burn up our attitudes. You ever had an attitude? <laughs> I've had some attitudes. <laughs> if you're breathing, you've got an attitude. That's, that's pretty much right, Brother Ernie. I'd get an attitude real quick if somebody honked at me at a red light. Yep, until God burned it out. He had to burn that attitude out. And you know, life got a whole lot simpler. <laughs> it got a whole lot, lot more peaceful. I don't know when the last time was that I had somebody honk at me at a red light. But before then, before that attitude got burned out, uh, a lot. I would say, Pushing once a week. But that, that's pretty amazing. You let the God burn that attitude out. It's like pe people all of a sudden become nice because I haven't changed the way I drive. <laughs> I'm still, I'm not a fast driver. I don't take off like a, like a rocket at a red light. I'm one of these, oh, red lights changed. Mm, that's, that's the way I go. I haven't changed that, but that attitude was dealt with. And when it was dealt with, everything else changed. The fire of God will consume fear. Fear is not your friend. You know, some people think that fear is, they may not say the words, but their actions say it. I'm afraid, so I'm going to. I, that's part of what I was talking about a while ago when we'd hide from the mic. That's what we were doing, afraid of this thing. Fear is not your friend. Fear is not a safe place either. Fear presents itself as a safe place. It presents itself as a place where you're not going to be embarrassed. If you do that, you're going to be embarrassed. But if you will stay right here, if you'll just stay right here, you won't be embarrassed. I've had to, I've faced that, yeah. Fear is not a safe place. It is not your friend. Hmm. I used to be afraid to dance in front of the people. That was nothing but fear. Had to break that thing. But once you break fear off of something, then... You don't never give it a foothold again because it'll come right back. Lord, I just ask right now that you begin to open people's eyes to where they give in to fear.
They give in to fear. They call it's We call it lots of things. We call it lots of things, but it's nothing but fear. I used to call it being reserved. You know, you've always heard the say heard the saying about being the strong, silent type. Oh, that sounds fantastic. You can identify with that. That means I can sit over there in a the corner by myself and nobody will mess with me and everything's fine. But it was nothing but fear. Nothing but fear. If I'd have stayed right there, I would not be right here. Had to break that thing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got some more, but there's something with this. That, something going on about this fear. We can hide behind it, or we can lay it on the altar. Let the fire of God burn it up. If you know, if you know that you operate in fear, that you give in to the spirit of fear, then let's come. Let's come. See, the fire of God is on the altar. When the Bible talks about us being a living, a living sacrifice, that means basically we come and lay our life on the altar and let God burn up whatever is in us that's not of him. And then we walk in the fire. We walk in the fire. We walk in the fire. And when you walk in the fire, there's constantly things being burned up. An attitude pop up, fire of God burns it up. Fear pop up, fire of God burns it up. So if, there, if you operate in fear in any capacity, I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. Oh, I don't operate in fear. What if I handed you the mic right now? I've, been, I've had that happen. I've, I've been there. What if I give you the mic? Say, okay, take it from here. Bye. <laughs> when I when I ask you to do something, what is the first feeling that rises up in you? 
Fear hides behind not qualified. Fear hides behind I don't know enough. Fear hides behind I'm not, I'm not called. I'm not gifted. It hides behind I'm not. I'm not. All I can tell you is we don't have to be afraid of God. We don't have to be afraid of anything he calls us to do. We don't have to be afraid of anything he asks because his whole purpose is to draw us closer to him. Is to draw us to him. I used to be one of those that was could get embarrassed real quick. So naturally, you're going to hide because you don't want to be embarrassed. But once that thing is broke, it's like it don't matter anymore. You do something funny and somebody laugh at you, you laugh with them. That, that's, that's, a, that's, that's a realm of freedom that's just kind of, it's just unreal. Hey, I tripped and fell and y'all got a good laugh. Boy, I did too. That's a, that's a freedom that cannot, that money can't buy, that only God can, can produce. But if I'm afraid and I do something that people laugh at, and I'm afraid, and then they laugh at me, then I run hide, and then I hope I don't see them again. When... <laughs> When God deals with it, it's like, I don't care if I see him again the next day. We're going to have another good laugh. Remember when I, mm -hmm. yeah. It's nothing but fear. <laughs> In the name of fear will keep us from stepping out when God says step. Thank you again for tuning in with us. If this word ministered to you, please consider sowing a seed to Freedom Ministries at freedomministriescrossit.com. We have made it available to you on the giving page. Thank you again. Go and be blessed in Jesus' name.